It is 2953 of the Third Age. Erebor has been reclaimed. Saron has fled from Mirkwood into Mordor to begin his pursuit for the One Dream. And the last meeting of the White Council has tasked Gildor and Glorian with assembling a fellowship to stop Umbarian pirates from assembling ancient artifacts from a Second Age prophecy. Join the players of this Adventures of Middle-Earth Dungeons and Dragons campaign as they unravel the mysteries of the prophecy. Welcome to Arda in part one of the Inglorian Bastards trilogy, Search for Tor Arasia. Alright, well, welcome to another episode of the Inglorian Bastards podcast. This is episode 21, and uh, this is another one of those recap episodes that we've done. I think this is the third one, and tonight we have with us uh, my friend Josh, who played Riken. Welcome yeah. to the podcast. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, and and so, uh, j- just so you know, and I know you've listened to them, but what, what we do here is we kind of talk a little bit about, um, I have some kind of questions that I ask you, and then uh, I think you can just kind of also talk about anything that you want to. But I will say that... Um, we're on, um, I've explained this to everybody before, but we, we played sort of three hour sessions when we played and, um, and we did kind of like 10 week sessions, right? So yeah. we would do uh, three hours for episode one, three hours for episode two. And, and what I'm doing now is kind of cutting those episodes into like four or five pieces. Okay. And uh and so so we uh we just for us for you and I we finished episode 4 but for the reader or for the listener they're on episode 21. Uh, oh. Okay. So I, I remember so you've you've been present for at least 3 of those 4 episodes and it was it was very noticeable the day that you couldn't make it. I think that was the day that we went to the to the withered heath maybe. Were you with yes. us for that? No, I yeah, that was that was when I couldn't make it and I was not there. And I just, I just wanted to say that I, I've noticed now editing these, like how much you brought to the production value. So, and, and, and to like, and, and to RP Riken. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess maybe my first question, and this kind of leads into it would be, um, if you could talk a little bit about, um, your experience with both Dungeons and Dragons and with Tolkien and Lord of the Rings, um, before, oh, yeah. before this campaign. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess, I guess starting with Lord of the Rings, because because honestly, and it kind of gives me like goosebumps all over my body, which is really weird. I just I just <laughs> got goosebumps just now. It it, it, it um, a lot of stuff in my life actually starts with Lord of the Rings because when when because um, I, I, I'm a video game designer now, which 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 is kind of what leads up to all this. But um, I, I got when I was a kid, I found in a in a box of like my dad's stuff uh, an older illustrated version of The Hobbit. Um, and nice. it, and it was it, it was il- illustrated by um, um, Alan, Alan Lee. Is that who it that's is? That's it. it is, right? Yep, it is. The the original installations. And and um, at at the time, as a little kid, I, I was I was I had a lot of trouble learning to read when I was younger. Um, and when I found that book, I really wasn't. I, I was actually quite old. I mean, I, I might have been like ten, but I really was not reading up to my level yet. But because it had the illustrations in it, I was able to sort of like follow along with the story. So I so I, I, I like before I could even read it I, I I looked through that book of the illustrations of the of the Hobbit and um and followed Alan Lee's illustrations through the book before I could really even read it so that was like that was like my first exposure to to Tolkien um and then you know of course I I, I learned to read better and I was able to actually read it and I sort of fell in love with it and then then read it like eleven times twelve <laughs> times 
22 times. I don't know. I read it a bunch. It was one of the only things in my life that I really read religiously like, like that. And I still have it to this day. I'm, and I'm going to give my son into it as soon as I can. But well, that know, was like, what? Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, the, 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 um, the Hobbit, you know, it was, it was really meant for uh, Tolkien's son. And so yes. it, was, it was kind of, it was kind of like juvenile literature, but it, it is so much fun to read. And I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It is kind of, it was kind of like, um, it was a little more lighthearted. I don't know. I don't say lighthearted, but yeah, I know what you mean. It was a little bit more juvenile, I guess, for sure. And it was a little bit more of a, um, uh, it's funny because when I think about reading that and then learning about the Lord of the Rings and then seeing the changes, feeling the changes that that story went through to sort of fit with the Lord of the Rings and all that kind of stuff, it's, it was definitely an evolution. But as I grew up, when I was a kid, I, I, I liked the, I liked the Hobbit a lot because it was like a small tale and it was something I could really wrap my head around. And, and at the same time, it was in this world that felt so rich, of course, because that's the thing that Tolkien did so well, right? Um, but like as I grew up, I started to to uh, I started to really internalize like the depth of his lore, if that makes any sense. Like the, the, yeah. the now as an adult, I realize that it's that. As a kid, it, the things that appealed to me were the were, were were things like Frodo being just a, a normal person. As a kid, you think, "Oh, that's so cool!" You know, he's he's just this little dude. He's just this little hobbit, and he's like he's going on this grand adventure. Yeah, that um, could and, that and could then, be me, right? Like, yeah, that could be me exactly. Yeah. And and you know, and then that story kind of grew with me, where it's like, okay, well, now that that grand adventure he went on actually seems quite small compared to the things that that you know his relatives and the future of his legacy would hold, but. I, I grew up getting into the into the um, into the Lord of the Rings, and that stuff really inspired me to to play and then get into video game development. Um, it really was that was that I really think that having that book, as funny as it seems, was like the genesis of my oh, yeah. of my love for video game development because that that. Uh, because I because you know I'm, I've been I've been lucky to make a few different fantasy games here and there, and, and that that love for that kind of lore got me into making worlds of my own. Yeah. Well, I think, I think probably Tolkien had that influence on a lot of people. I think that's definitely true. And it's funny. I, I always wonder like how, how broad that influence actually is. Cause it, it must be more than we can even imagine, you know? Right. Well, he, he did kind of birth a genre, so to speak, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny and it's funny cause I, as an adult, I've learned about how he kind of like re birth the genre he like he brought some of this old style lore that right. people that people told each other for you know thousands of years and and turned it into a more modern thing and it's and then the modernity of that is is like it's years and years and years later generations generations later now several generations later and it's still really applicable to people that really they really can get into it well if i if i could bridge that gap a little bit for for our listeners if 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 our listeners are not Tolkien experts. Um, what Josh is talking about is um, Tolkien was trying to create a mythology for Britain, uh, for England, and um, and he he brought in Scandinavian mythology and all kinds of mythology from all over the world. He yeah. he he made up lang- he was a linguist. He made up languages and he based languages on uh, again some Scandinavian languages and some um, you know Brythonic languages and uh, like Welsh um, and yeah. I mean, he, he definitely took these things, these these uh, verbal tales uh, that, that Josh was talking about, and and brought them and, and sort 
sort of sculpted them. Um, and some of his earliest writings, and we'll talk about this sort of later on down the podcast, but um, some of his earliest writings um, that really comes out with the Book of Lost Tales, uh, book, uh, especially books one and books two. Um, but thank you for sharing that. And uh, yeah, and um, so 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 this transitioned you to Dungeons and Dragons too. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, like uh, I had some I had some exposure to Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid, but um, the first few times I really played it and played it with a good DM were when I was in college. Um, and there was and it was my freshman freshman year in college, and uh, I had played it a few times before that. But we were young, and I don't think we had. It, it, we had fun, but it's like when you first encounter a, your first like um, really talented storyteller as a DM, it changes the whole thing for you. You know, um, true. as a kid, we would always try to like. I think the mistake that we made as kids is we would come up with these you know sort of childish little stories, and we would and we and we would sort of force each other to play through them. But like the first time that I played with a DM who was flexible enough to have the group. Co- cooperate in creating the story and, and 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 allowed the group to enrich the story that they were creating and guided that whole it was just an amazing experience to think to step away from that and 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 that's where it kind of ties into Tolkien to me to think like wow you know I was just involved in creating this this world I was a part of this world and I, and 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 not just being a part of someone's story but like adding to it you know <laughs> that felt really neat and that's to me that's what Dungeons and Dragons has always been out been about ever since that point it's like when I'm DMing, it's about um, creating a world for people to be in, and then and then letting them shape it a lot, you know. Um, and then as a player, I, I always I always want to try to do that. I always always want to try to do the you know force the DM to let me do the crazy thing, or try to um, give the DM some seeds of 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 like backstory for my character that that, that maybe they will roll into the into the into the world, which which is something that I thought you did really well in this campaign, which I think that maybe the listeners have already gotten to some of that stuff, but well, that's, <laughs> I think um, that was something that you did an awesome job with, with Riken. Well, thank you. And, and uh, as a DM, um, you know, I've been DMing now for probably, well, I mean, technically I've been DMing since I was a kid when we used to make up our own <laughs> diceless, you know, role-playing games. I remember we used to play yeah. like, you know, we used to watch X-Men on Saturday mornings and then go play a sort of a diceless X-Men uh, role-playing game at the, at the, at the awesome. playground. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, but, but we've been, you know, I've been officially DMing for probably four or five years and, and, yeah. and talking with people like you, you know, you can always learn something from people. And I think that's something that I took away from you hearing about your campaigns and that's you know <laughs> letting letting the the players sort of help mold the world um i think sometimes i do i do that a little too much as a player um yeah but it's great it's great i love that honestly like my you know not to sidetrack but like my last campaign that i did the players completely screwed it all up but <laughs> <laughs> i mean they destroyed it but at the end they were all like, this was so amazing. And I'm like, oh, glad you guys thought you freaking wrecked my thing. But, <laughs> yeah, but you know, true. that's the flavor. To me, that's like, that's the real spice of it being, it's so, it's so different than, than video games in that when you play a video game, for the most part, you're playing someone's like authored experience for you. And I think that Dungeons and Dragons and role playing games, like, uh, you know, pen and paper role playing games can be so much more than that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they'll be they'll be they'll be more than that for probably forever. I mean, the human human creativity is something that media can't really replicate. <laughs> you know? We're storytellers, aren't we? I think that's true. It's like humans are made to be storytellers, and, and pen and paper RPGs and pen and paper games in general are just are like a 
a, a vessel for that for sure. Well, let's. Um, so, so you talked a little bit about um, you know creating worlds and creating characters and and having yeah. these characters add to the world. So, tell us a little bit about Riken as a character. What was what was your inspiration for that? How did you? I mean, our 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 fellowship was was just so evenly balanced. I mean, we we literally had like one of every like we had a dwarf, we had an elf, we had a human, yeah. we had a dunedain, we had a woodsman. Um, yeah. So, h- how did you come up with Riken? Um. I think that I think I think something that always appealed to me about Tolkien's stuff, and this is where I came up with Riken, is that there's so many character there's there's like a, such a great mix of characters in the stories that are that are either really crucial, you know, almost celestial beings, and then there's just people, and 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 sometimes they're the the people just don't seem to belong, but in the end they always do. So I really wanted to create this. I really want to create a character that was just a person, had problems of his own, and to some extent, like, just couldn't relate to what might be happening. You know, I didn't know what you were going to do for the story, but I I wanted to create this story for this guy that was, like, very self-centered, you know? Yeah. He lost his dad. He has an estranged brother, um, you know, and, and his whole life basically just became about either his dad and his brother or as he turned inward the service of his people and like his people are very quaint right you know his people are, are you know woodsmen woodmen and you know uh, and, and they just kind of keep to themselves they have a job you know that they, they sort of patrol the edges of murkwood or whatever but they but they kind of keep to themselves they're not involved in the larger scale events of this world right, right. um and i always loved those characters and, and Tolkien, mean, you know in Tolkien stuff always has those things you know from the hobbits you know all the way all the way up to even people like strider who ultimately was the linchpin of the whole thing but for a long time of his life he was just a dude you know yeah well you know so speaking of just dudes i mean this 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 comes up in the campaign quite a bit but i I, I've drawn a lot of parallels between Riken and Boromir in the past, yeah. and and yeah. I think we're going to see more of that as Riken goes through his trials, and and I and I can say that you know looking back on it, you know we we basically did sort of three arcs, right? Part one, part two, and part three. Um, yeah. Or Act one, Act two, and Act three. Um, in Search for Tol Arisea, you were with us. In in the next part, um, the rise of the Mormagil, you were with us, and yeah. and you took part three off, but um, you came back sort of with us at, at the end yeah. of part three, and yeah. and I can say through the course of of Act one and Act two, Riken ha- evolves more than any other character, and um, and in, in a very sort of Boromir esque fashion, and I don't I don't want to give too much away for the listeners because we haven't gotten there yet, but I I do want to sort of preview the the really exciting character development that Riken goes through. I mean, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was fascinating what you did with the character, you know, because I think a lot of that a lot of his development is 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 um, spurned on by the story, you know, like he he has a this whole adventure for him was was uh, quite a deep struggle, I think. Um, and, and and I don't know if this is the parallel you were trying to draw to Boromir, but I feel like um, he he struggled with leaving his people. You know, he he struggled with before that he struggled with his brother and his father, but he struggled with leaving his people being sent on this mission to do this thing. Um, I think he struggled a little bit because he felt out of place with these people in that initial part. It's like the, some of these people he knew right away were like, were, were like 
had lineages that were important, um, you know, and and were and were and, and were 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 people like elves and things like that that just kind of were beyond his station in life. And I think it started from there, and it just evolved into this really deep. Um, I hate to say struggle because it, it wasn't like he just suffered, but he did suffer. Quite he a lot. did. He did <laughs> suffer more than um, I think maybe any other character. And yeah, and but, he suffered quite a lot but, for sure. But at the same time, I mean, you know, he he's this. He's also like this Frodo character in a sense because you know the listeners do know at this point that you know these Umbarian these Umbarian pirates, um, you know, are are sort of collecting these items, and mm-hmm. at, and at this point in the story, you know, the characters have sort of recovered um, that which ex- has escaped the void, the the sword, um, Anguirel. They have yeah. they have recovered the Elendil stone, the 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 Palantiri from Elos Tyrion, um, but they're they're not really sure at this point what to do with these items um and they know they're being pursued by this wolf from from mordor um yep. and so they're just trying to get through the murkwood um and pro- and they're about to sort of go to mountain hall and celebrate yule with your people um but but it, but in the end it's riken who ends up making one of the most pivotal decisions of the final battle of, of Act One in the search for Tolerasea. And so they all of this is sort of coming up. So it, it, he's this amalgam of like Frodo and Boromir and he's this yeah, regular dude. That's true. Yeah. He's like the most reluctant character, but I, I think you're right. He, he did have some really clutch moments and some of those clutch moments I think he suffered for greatly, but <laughs> Yeah, for sure. But it's funny for, for me. It's funny to think about. Like I wanted to create this 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 every man like or I, not even every man like no man really just kind of guy who had his own problems. And I think his in my mind like his psyche was that was that like he just never really. And this is the this is the Frodo and, and Bilbo part where it's like he just never really belonged to to to, to, to do this right. But as things evolved, he ended up. It's almost like his fate really was. Does you know this really was designed to be his fate, right? This, yeah. this the, the events of this story really were. It's it, and it's great in that Tolkien way, and this is a credit to you. I think it came out really great in that in that Tolkien way, in that this little this this relatively meaningless person was was raised up in almost like a cosmic fashion, where it's like destiny, right? That he would be in these places at these at these times, and that it would be him that would make certain decisions at these times. Yep. Even though he was just like the reluctant guy, you know, yeah, <laughs> like he, yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, you know, I, I really, actually, I actually really liked the the fact that he ended up suffering quite a lot, <laughs> both mentally and physically, and facing some of these really crazy. Because um, I mean, have the, in, in the story where they're at right now, they, they've already been to like the pit and all that kind of stuff and found his brother. And, yeah, the old and, well. That's right. Yeah, just the old well. Yeah. So that was that was a crazy moment. That's actually that's actually one of my favorite moments of the early campaigns where it was like. He, he he finds his brother they find they find the well they find his father's skeleton essentially his father's dead body right and, and like and like to snap his brother out of this crazy trance that he's in he ends up shooting his father in the face with a bow <laughs> with a bow and arrow and it's just like you know his father's been dead for for you know his whole life basically for the last i don't know 15 or 20 years or whatever it is and uh you know it's but but just like that that at the moment, at that moment, was like this is kind of crazy. Why did he do that? But it snapped his brother out of the crazy business, right? And they ended up escaping. And, and that was 
a small moment of sacrifice that actually ends up being relatively pleasant compared to some of the other things that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but it was the first of the biggies. Yeah. Um, so we have, um, so, so we, we've been talking a lot about tragedy, um, but w- let's talk about something more positive. Um, what, what is, yeah. what is, um, without giving too much away, is there something that the listener has to look forward to in, in this last, I would say, um, you know, we'll probably have another 15 to 20 episodes here in the, in this second half of the first arc. Um, is, is there something that, um, you can tell the listener to look forward to? Um, it's hard without giving out <laughs> you know i mean but I, w- I would say that like all of this all of the tragedy and all of the evolution for all of the characters it really does pay off in a in a in a great way um you know i did i did miss a bunch of that third session where the, where there's closure for some, some some of that stuff but i feel like that that um in the same way that you have like Frodo coming out of the Shire or, or Samwise coming out of the Shire and like meeting elves and meeting these people that are beyond his station and then ultimately contributing in a really big way. You have this character like Riken, you have these characters like Burin, you have characters like Faradir and stuff like that that go through these trials and tribulations and discover that that this that this is where they were supposed to be. So I think I think like without giving away any specifics, I would say that like that the that's the thing that was so rewarding about this story was that there's like it was like you said suffering and trials and stuff like that, but then there was these ultimate payoffs for these people, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, even for like for Riken, like meeting meeting some of those people that were beyond him and and having those people honor him was like more than he ever could have asked for in his life, you know? That that's something that's going to happen in the future, you know? That's he's going to he's going to be sort of honored and taken care of by some of these people who he never would have thought cared about him, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think it's because of his actions, but yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> well, uh, dog. I, bear. yeah, well, bear, bear has, has been in the story <laughs> a little bit and, uh, he's going to come into the story even more in the next couple yeah. of episodes. So, yeah. so we'll, we won't keep you anymore tonight. Um, we're the, the next couple of episodes will probably be, uh, <laughs> The uh, the Yule celebration at Mountain Hall. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm still... oh, there's some there's some, there's actually some specific moments for Riken in there that, that were pretty awesome. Too. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> um, so so we go from a from a great tragedy to a celebration in a in a Tolkien esque yeah. kind of way. Um, but yeah, yeah. But maybe. That was um, a cool moment. But maybe in uh, in the second arc in uh, Rise of the Mormagill, we can have you back and and to talk again. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I would love to. You know, and and I think in like. In closing, like I really, I really do hope that that people out there that love the Tolkien lore and stuff like that can see that the effort that you put into making this story. Because I, th- I think the thing that I appreciated about the story, beyond like the evolution of the characters and and you know cool encounters that we had, was that you put in a lot of effort to tell a story that was important to the broader lore of the Tolkien universe, with and 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 tried really hard to not step on any of it. You know, it was it was it was like no, let's let's not make a story where where it's like we're going to step on some of the events that happened in the in the Lord of the Rings or, or, or you know, it, but but those things we got the sense when we were playing the game that those things were happening and evolving, but and we were taking part in that, but we had our own unique part to play that was really well crafted into the lore without 
damaging anything. <laughs> Thank you, man. I, I'm getting a little teary over here. <laughs> sorry. No, no, no. no that's, that's cool. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, that's the, uh, the, I think the fun part about if you talk to anybody who's written historic fiction, and yeah. I mean, you're, when you're when you're weaving your story into, you know, it's like putting together a puzzle. And uh, Tolkien is is really like that. It's it's like you're reading real history. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But again, absolutely, yeah. but again, thank you for for coming. Um, and, and we'll we'll see you uh, we'll see you again soon. I hope. Anytime, yeah. Let me know. I'll, I'll be I'll be here. All right, man. Thanks very much. Thank you. Though this marks the end of the episode, the road goes ever on. Until next time, join us at longwinded.one and consider giving us a review on Apple Music, Spotify, or really whichever platform you choose. 